Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show nationwide. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on this here program, I need to play for you some audio to begin this portion of the program. And it will undoubtedly, I suppose, hurt your head. Not my intention, but you need to hear this. Uh, This is commentary from MSNBC with Tiffany Cross. With Thanksgiving right around the corner, I wanted to turn the mic over to Cross Connection favorite and my friend Yassi Ross for this week's essay and his take on the real story of Thanksgiving and some history you probably never read in your school books. Okay. My name is Jossie Ross. I come from the Amstapipakani Nation. The mythology of Thanksgiving closely mirrors the mythology of America. That mythology is the image that white Americans love to see of themselves. White settlers come to a strange land in good faith, bringing something of great value that enriches the people who are already here. The natives also bring something of immense value, equal exchange. That closely mimics the mythology of white America. It is how America wants to see itself. The truth, of course, of Thanksgiving is much different. The truth is pilgrims did not bring turkey, sweet potato pie, or cranberries to Thanksgiving. They could not. They were broke. They were broken. Their hands were out. They were begging. They brought nothing of value. But they got fed. They got schooled. Thanksgiving. It makes sense. There is much for white Americans to be thankful for. But I'm still trying to figure out what indigenous people received of value. Instead of bringing stuffing and biscuits, those settlers brought genocide and violence. That genocide and violence is still on the menu as state-sponsored violence against Native and Black Americans is commonplace and violent private white supremacy is celebrated and subsidized. From Stone Child Chief Stick to Mike Brown to Renee Davis to Breonna Taylor to Eric Gardner, Indigenous and Black people are still being murdered by those paid to protect us. From Ahmaud Arbery to Trayvon Martin, white Americans are still killing Native and Black Americans with no fear of reprisal. We can just stop it there. You get the point. Does MSNBC, does Comcast want a race war? I got to ask that. And by the way, there's a lot of revisionism in his statement about the first Thanksgiving. We should remind ourselves that when in New England, the pilgrims first arrived, They set themselves up in a communal lifestyle. Now, this was before Marx and Marxism and communism. But the pilgrims set themselves up in a utopian society that would be recognized today as a precursor of the way Marx and and Lenin talked about communism, where everyone shared everything. Everyone shared everything. They wanted to set up a society, frankly, as a model of the early church. But we need to be clear here with the early church where the members of the church shared things between themselves, they shared them of their own volition in the church communal to help each other out inside the church, not in society. The pilgrim settlers at Plymouth nearly starved to death their first year. They had trouble working the land of New England, 
And it turns out, guess what? You make everything communal. Some will work harder than others. A lot of people didn't do the work they needed to do. It was because of this failure in this communal system that they introduced what became known as the Puritan work ethic in a capitalist system where each person was given a plot of land by the local government and that land was to do with as they saw fit and to take care of their family and anything they had left over, they could sell to each other. So the family's first obligation with their land was to take care of themselves and thereafter to release the, the, the excess into the open market to barter and sell with each other. And it became a big success, developing again that Puritan work ethic. The Smithsonian Magazine had a piece out in 2005. Let me read you some of this. On March 22nd, 1621, a Native American delegation walked through what is now southern New England to meet with a group of foreigners who had taken over a recently deserted Indian settlement. At the head of the party was an uneasy triumvirate, Massasoit, the Sachem, the political military leader of the Wampanoag Confederation, a loose coalition of several dozen villages that controlled most of southeastern Massachusetts. Samoset, Sachem of an allied group of the north, and Tisquantum, a distrusted captive whom Massasoit had brought along only reluctantly as an interpreter. Massasoit was an adroit politician, but the dilemma he faced would have tested Machiavelli. About five years before, most of his subjects had fallen before a terrible calamity. Whole villages had been depopulated. It was all Massasoit could do to hold together the remnants of his people. Adding to his problems, the disaster had not touched the Wampanoag's longtime enemies, the Narragansett Alliance of the West. Soon, Massasoit feared they would take advantage of the Wampanoag's weakness and overrun them. And the only solution he could see was fraught with perils of its own because it involved the foreigners, people from across the sea. Europeans had been visiting New England for at least a century. Shorter than the natives, oddly dressed and often unbearably dirty, the pallid foreigners had peculiar blue eyes that peeped out of bristly animal-like hair that encased their faces. They were irritatingly garrulous, prone to fits of chicanery, and often surprisingly incompetent at what seemed to Indians like basic tasks. But they also made useful and beautiful goods, copper kettles, glittering colored glass, and steel knives and hatchets, unlike anything else in New England. Moreover, they would exchange these for valuable items, these valuable items for cheap furs the Indians used as blankets. Over time, the Wampanoag, with like the native societies in coastal New England, had learned how to manage the European presence. They encouraged the exchange of goods, but would allow their visitors to stay ashore only for brief, carefully controlled excursions. Those who overstayed their welcome were forcefully reminded of the limited duration of Indian hospitality. At the same time, the Wampanoag fended off Indians from the interior, preventing them from trading directly with the foreigners. In this way, the shoreline groups had put themselves in the position of classic middlemen, overseeing both European access to Indian products and Indian access to European products. Now, reversing long-standing policy, Massasoit had decided to permit the newcomers to stay for an unlimited time, provided they formed an alliance with the Wampanoag against the Narragansett. Tisquantum, the interpreter, had turned up at Massasoit's home a year and a half before. He spoke fluent English because he had lived for several years in Britain. But Massasoit worried that a crisis Tisquantum might side with the foreigners. Samoset, the third member of the triumvirate, had appeared a few weeks before, having hitched a ride from his home in Maine on an English ship. 
that was plying the coast. Because Samus had also spoke a little English, Massasoit had first sent him, not Tisquantum, to meet with the foreigners. And they developed over time an alliance. The foreigners called their colony Plymouth. They themselves were the famous pilgrims. As schoolchildren learn at the meeting, the pilgrims obtained the services of Tisquantum, usually known as Quanto. In the 1970s, there was a popular history text, America, its people and values. They highlighted Squanto or Tisquantum. He showed how to plant corn, how to live on the edge of wilderness. Miles Standish taught the pilgrims how to defend themselves against unfriendly Indians. The story isn't wrong as far as it goes. But there's more to it than that. And it's nothing we should be shy about. The British were, to some degree, a conquering people building an empire. There were disasters. There were short-run alliances. There were long-term problems. There was an alliance between the French and the Indians in a war. There were the Americans who expanded west, taking more and more territory than had been the Indians, but the Indians themselves had fought against each other. We should not downplay that those American Indian tribes that claim now uh, Mount Rushmore for themselves had themselves taken it in violence from other Indians. Or I'm sorry, we're supposed to say Native Americans now, aren't we? But am I not a Native American? I've lived here my whole life, other than a, a stint in abroad when I was a kid. But my family are Native Americans. But notice how the left changes and uses the language to otherize us. We should be thankful for much. And overwhelmingly, we should be thankful for our country. There are those who are trying to tear our country apart. And by the way, I think it's a bipartisan problem. I do think that there are those on the right as well who are, are willing to engage in chicanery to disrupt and divide for their own political expedience. But I think overwhelmingly and undeniably, it is the left who is ashamed of this country, has no pride in this country, and feels emboldened through the use of social media to feel like they are in the majority to attack everything we hold dear. And they believe they're doing a social good to tear down mythologies. But what they think that we're taught in school isn't what we're taught in school. The the progressive activist the other day who claimed that uh, we she never learned about slavery in high school. I learned about slavery. I didn't even grow up in this country. But when I came back to this country in 11th grade in rural Louisiana and had American history, we learned about slavery and the civil rights movement and Jim Crow laws and how unjust it was. And the teacher was a white Republican. I try to be empathetic to people. I try to at least understand where they're coming from. But I have a hard time understanding the people who drip with disdain for this country. I have a hard time for the people who want to be victims, who want to amplify the worst of American history to discredit American history. And my sense is that for the longest time, they have been trying to upend the American system because they wish to delegitimize it because they wish to fundamentally change our constitutional order. And they can't yet say that out loud. But just 10 years ago, the audio I played you on MSNBC would have been anathema to everyone. 
everyone would be horrified that MSNBC was allowing that sort of anti-American propaganda to be aired, that, that distinct revisionism of the facts of various cases and peoples and events in American history. So it's not too far of a stretch to suggest that over time they wish to say these things and, and stretch out the Overton window so they can get to the point of saying our constitutional order needs to be upended. We need a new constitution. You can already see them doing this with the Senate. The Senate is illegitimate. The Senate is anti-democratic. The Electoral College is anti-democratic. The House of Representatives itself is going to be anti-democratic next year when the Republicans take seats back because it'll be through negative redistricting. The New York Times ran a big story the other day about how nasty the Republicans are being in redistricting. Uh, they largely ignored Illinois, where it's the Democrats. They are willfully skewing American history to discredit the country. They can't be thankful. Because to be thankful, to some degree, you have to have some grace. And we should be thankful for this country. We should be tremendously thankful for those brave, religiously persecuted settlers who moved to New England. We should be thankful for our founding fathers who were far wiser than many of us today, who set up a constitutional republic that remains a beacon of freedom for the world, where they understood that you needed a system of checks and balances and gridlock to slow the trains down and prevent people from doing the things they wanted to do. We should be thankful they embraced federalism and left the healthcare power with the states so that we don't have the repressive systems we're seeing in Australia and Austria as their government shut people down and locked them up for failing to get a vaccine. We have much to be thankful for in this country. And in fact, the dissidents and the agitators and those who would repackage American history in a negative light, who hate this country and yet can't themselves bring themselves to leave it, should also be thankful for the very system that they seek to alienate, abuse, and discredit because they get the power to say the things that they want without repercussion in the system they abhor. And we should allow them to say those things, but we ourselves should respond to them and push back on them and understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to shut down the system that allows them free speech because they hate that you and I have free speech as well. Holiday seasons are upon us and you got to start thinking about gifts, particularly now with all the supply chain nonsense out there. You want to get a good gift. You want to get a thoughtful gift. And did you know we spend a third of our lives in bed? So pure organic cotton sheets from Bowl and Branch make a truly special gift. They make the highest quality sheets by doing things the right way, not the easy way. My wife, by the way, loves Bowl and Branch sheets. She really does. So I got to tell you, they're comfortable. The sheets, they fit perfectly. The fitted sheets are great. They're not going to shrink. In fact, they're going to get softer over time. I can tell you because we sleep under them. It's a husband and wife team, Scott and Missy Tannen. They founded Bowl and Branch to create a new standard in bedding by doing things the right way. Again, they don't do the easy way. They do the right way. They've got high thread count, premium cotton, and it gets so soft. Treat yourself and your loved ones to the new standard in bedding from Bowl and Branch. Their gifts come wrapped and ready in their special holiday packaging. If you order by December 19th, you get guaranteed delivery by Christmas. The best deals of the year are going now from November 18th to November 22nd with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Exclusions may apply.
Hi there, it's Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Stand by, I'll get to you, and I may ask you what you're thankful for this year. So you, you have a couple of minutes here to think about what you're thankful for because we should all be thankful for something. You know what? I, I will tell you, I am thankful for a number of things. I am thankful for my wife and children and our home and my job and our family and our health. I am very thankful for our health right now. Although on Sunday, I had to leave my in-laws early. We had had uh, this past Saturday, we did Thanksgiving Saturday night and leftovers on Sunday for lunch. And I had to leave early uh, to take the kids home because both of the kids are, they both got sinus infections. I was able to get them into the after hours clinic Sunday afternoon. So we got a bunch of antibiotics flowing at our house for at least another week. <laughs> Fun times. Um, there's a story out of San Francisco, which is becoming a third world hellhole. 80 looters simultaneously broke into a Nordstrom near, near San Francisco, police say. Clearly a planned event in a weekend filled with looting incidents. Drivers blared their horns Saturday evening as dozens of thieves carrying luggage and bags darted from a Nordstrom department store near San Francisco and hopped into cars waiting for them outside. All but three of the 80 or so looters escaped, police said. Two store employees were assaulted. One was pepper sprayed by the intruders. According to officials in Walnut Creek, a city about 25 miles east of San Francisco, the police say it was clearly a planned event. The spectacle Saturday night was one of several incidents of looting and shoplifting reported at high-end retail stores around the Bay Area. On Friday night, thieves broke into at least 10 stores, including the Louis Vuitton in San Francisco's Union Square. And on Sunday night, officers in Hayward, a 30-minute drive from San Francisco, were investigating after a group of smash-and-grab burglars destroyed glass cabinets and stole merchandise from a mall jewelry store. The crimes are happening around the Bay and across the country. I stand in partnership with state, regional, and federal partners as we work together, according to the District Attorney, Chesa Bowden, who is the uh, George Soros-elected District Attorney in San Francisco who doesn't want to prosecute shoplifters. Now, this is part of the problem here is that they have, uh, if you steal $900 or less, you can't really be charged anymore out there. This whole thing is going to end badly for San Francisco. People are starting to flee the city. More and more people are moving away from San Francisco. It's a beautiful area, by the way. It is actually a gorgeous, gorgeous area. But you can't live there. It is a third world dump now. You might step on a heroin needle in the street or human poop somewhere in the street. It hasn't gotten better. It keeps getting worse. And so many of the people in charge of government there justify it, excuse it, turn a blind eye to the bad stuff happening. This is not going to end well for so many people out there. It's just, it's appalling that something like this is happening, but it is, and it's just going to keep on. When we come back, I'll take your calls, 877-973-7425. I'm going to ask you what you're thankful for, and also... Well, you know, one of the, the joys of today is we've had to put off so much stuff in the last week with so much breaking news. We got more stuff to talk about as well, including the tennis player in China and LeBron James being called out and handling it very badly 
when it comes to his defenses of China's totalitarian state. Y'all, from the moment I sat in my X chair, my body said, this is what a real office chair is supposed to be like. I had, gosh, I had gone through office chairs and then I got my X chair and it is the perfect chair. In fact, my X chair, unlike your chair, can massage my back while I'm sitting doing three hours of talk radio. It can even heat up and cool down depending on my office, which tends to run hot in the summer and cold in the wintertime. And it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed for the X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's patented dynamic lumbar DVL, they call it dynamic variable lumbar, your back's going to be happy. What I need you to do, you got to go check out the X chair because yeah, I bought the, y'all know the expensive brand and I bought it. It was a good chair. It actually was a really good chair. And X chair takes it to the next level. What you need to do is go to xchaireric.com now. That's X, the letter X chair, E-R-I-C-K.com or call 844-4-X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchaireric, E-R-I-C-K.com. It is worth it. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to go to the phones as promised. Eric, you're going to be up first. You have to tell me, though, what are you thankful for? Well, Eric, I'm very thankful for my wife and my four children. Well, that's worth being thankful for, I I suppose. let 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 me rephrase that. My wife and my five children. We have a blended family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you better cover that fifth one. You, you're thankful for him until you got all the stuff to buy for Christmas. <laughs> uh, you know what? He's a good kid too. It's just sometimes I forget to count that kind of stuff. No, nope, I understand that. So what's going on? Like you, I have dad brain. Yeah, well, oh my gosh, I, I, do I, have it. <laughs> I was listening to your. Uh, bit on the, the rewriting of the history from the Indians and all that, and the, mm-hmm. and the, the uh, pilgrims. And you made some comments at the end of it, how they're rewriting history and, and uh, that they want to destroy America or re- redo the Constitution, destroying it. And a lot of it is just because of their emotions. They, they are emotionally uh, incomplete. Mm-hmm. And as a result... They want us to feel what they feel or feel something for them. And we won't because what they feel is not logical. And I I mean, excuse me, my dad brain is showing, but obviously emotions are not logic, but they can't see it from a logical standpoint because they only see it from their emotional standpoint. Yeah, that, that's a good way to say it. And, and part of this, I, I think, honestly, I, I don't want to spend all day on postmodernism, but we, we have gotten to the point where people now say, I feel instead of I think. And it is so emotions based. Uh, it, it's pretty dramatic how people are in, in tune with their emotions these days and let it uh, run over us instead of reason and logic uh, and, and so much of it there. That's that's well said. Now, by the way, before you get out of here, I, as we're talking dad brain, I, I will share uh, over the weekend, you will appreciate this, how I uh, took my uh, fine china plate and I raked it into the sink and threw the plate in the trash. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yep, one of those things. You know, I, I I'm the guy who puts the coffee in the in the in the refrigerator and puts the milk in the pantry. And yeah, this sure. <laughs> Well, people and, who don't and, have kids know, you don't were just understand. Cleaning this. It up, and it was in the wrong place. That's all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. People without <laughs> kids, they do not understand any of this. <laughs> no. no. All right, no. man. Listen, have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, sir. You do the same. All right. The phone number eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. My wife all the time. God bless her. She she'll forget something, or or she'll she'll put one thing one place and something the other, and. She gets very flustered with it. I'm like, mom brain, dad brain, don't worry about it. We all do it. I, I literally threw the threw the plate in the trash can and all the stuff on the plate that I was supposed to rake out of the trash, I raked down into the sink. Luckily, the sink had a garbage disposal. But uh, yeah, yep, been there, done that. I, I put a gallon of milk in the pantry the other day and put a cup in the refrigerator. The cup was empty. All right, I, I got to play you guys this audio because this happened this morning. This this is something we, I, I talk about it. I, I, I don't really listen to a lot of talk radio these days, but this is, this is worth listening to. This is from CNN. Uh, this happened this morning on CNN, and I'm really fascinated by the turn of events here of, of this story about the tennis player now let me cue this up is not being silenced that she is not able to speak freely uh they 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 say none of the proof that has been provided by chinese state media john gives them any comfort that she's that she's actually in a position where her interests are being best represented now that's will ripley cnn's reporter he's in taipei taiwan he's talking about the world tennis association that they, uh, China keeps showing this missing tennis star. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, Pong Shui is a tennis star, female tennis star. She accused the vice president of China of raping her. She disappeared after making the accusation. And then over the weekend, in this very odd video, they showed her at a very fancy dinner and she looked fine wearing a white outfit. Uh, with her tennis coach, where they very awkwardly referenced the date that it was, as if a pro- it was a proof of life video of that day. And then she appeared via satellite in, in like a Zoom call with the World Tennis Association president, saying that she's okay and she wants to be left alone. And again, wearing the same outfit that she was wearing at that uh, dinner. It seems very odd. They won't actually let her be seen in public except in very tightly controlled uh, interviews where they release the videos, but they won't actually release her on her own accord. So this is CNN talking with Will Ripley about this and, and just listen to the way this plays out. So, Will, I want to explain to our viewers what's happening on our screen right now, because underneath your face, they can see a box, which is the actual live feed of this broadcast in China but it's all color bars. And it went to color bars the minute you started talking. So what's going on here? 
Chinese censors, John, uh, I have lost count over the last eight years here in Asia covering China of how many times CNN's coverage of controversial issues has been censored. It used to go to straight black. Now they've upgraded and they go to color bars. But nonetheless, it is a live, real-time example of the censorship that's happening in the mainland. They scrub Peng Shui from the Internet. Uh, they're certainly not talking about this on television and even international networks. They have an army of censors waiting to push that button the minute that we start talking about this story. But it is not making the story go away. The pressure is still mounting on Beijing from the outside because of the efforts of journalists around the world and also diplomats wanting Peng Shui to be able to speak her truth. Her truth. Oh, my gosh. It pains me that he ended it that way. But also, uh, we should note, it's not just journalists, truly. It's the World Tennis Association itself. Uh, unlike the NBA, they're willing to pull out of the entire country. A very valuable market. I think it's it's the seventh, second most lucrative market for tennis now. And the World Tennis Association is willing to abandon that market. Compare and contrast that to the National Basketball Association in the United States of America. And LeBron James, uh, who has been attacked by the Celtics player, what is it, Inus Cantor, I think his name is? And LeBron James attacked Cantor for daring to bring it up. Didn't say anything, didn't push back, didn't do anything about China, won't condemn China, won't criticize China, but will criticize the people who criticize him for being quiet. At some point, at some point very soon, American corporations from Apple to Nike to the NBA are going to have to decide whose side they're on. And they are going to have to decide, by the way. You do need to know they're going to have to decide, and they're going to have to decide because China is going to force their decisions. And the World Tennis Association is announcing it's on the side of freedom. And the World Tennis Association is on the side of its players. And the World Tennis Association is on the side of doing the right thing. This tennis player disappeared after saying she was raped by a politician. And they won't let her out in public. And everything is very tightly scripted. At some point, we need real answers. And you will notice the NBA and LeBron James continue to apologize for China. You will notice Nike and Disney continue to make massive profits off of China. Interestingly enough, I read an article the other day that Apple is trying as quickly as it can to move as much as of it as it can out of China because of these problems. But Disney wants to cash in on China as a lucrative market. They will sell their soul to communists. At least the World Tennis Association will not. Uh, we, we should We should be praising them. And, you know, to a degree, we should be praising journalists like CNN. And, and you know, I, I say this about CNN because I, I don't know that a lot of you understand uh, what's going on here. I have a lot of criticisms of CNN. I, I continue to be disappointed in them in ways I'm not with MSNBC because I don't think CNN should be doing some of the stuff they're doing. You can get a, MSNBC is a very partisan network. And hardly anybody watches them. CNN prides itself on being straight news. And increasingly, a lot of the, the voices there are not doing straight news. They're doing opinion commentary on the news. But CNN deserves a massive, massive amount of credit 
for covering this situation in China, for highlighting how China is censoring CNN's broadcast, for keeping the attention on China and the abuses in China, uh, the abuses in China related to uh, the, the Uyghur population and the like. Why? Because CNN, although it is apparently being sold, CNN is currently owned by AT&T as part of Warner. And Time Warner and Warner Brothers depend on the Chinese box office for their films, and China could very quickly end the ability of Warner to show its movies in China as payback for what CNN does. And yet CNN persists in being very accurate and truthful about what's happening in China. They are not mincing their words or coverage on China. They're not downplaying their coverage on China. They are risking the finances of their parent company in doing so. And so while I have criticisms of CNN and a lot of domestic political coverage, CNN deserves a ton of credit for having the testicular fortitude to plow ahead with critical coverage of what's happening in China, putting its own parent company's finances on the line. And that that's what journalism should be doing. They should be covering these stories. And so I'm proud of them for not only covering this story, but highlighting how while covering the story, they're being censored by the communists in China. Good for CNN. Now, let me squeeze in some phone calls here. Uh, let me go first to Bernie. You're going to be up. Bernie, welcome to the program. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Eric. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Um, All right, so you, you got to tell me first what you, what, what you thankful for. Uh, I'm I'm thankful just to, to wake up every day. As bad as shape as I've been in for the I retired from the Marine Corps 21 years ago. Oh, mercy. Uh, and I've lived a very active and hard <laughs> law enforcement. I retired law enforcement a while back. And um, I, I am thankful for, for just being uh, the God-given life in this country, which... Good for you. Um, yeah. All right. But so I, now I, I, I distracted you. So, so you were calling in, though, about law enforcement. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, after I got out of the Marine Corps 21 years ago, I started in law enforcement, and I re- had retired from that. And I'm actually going back to the department that I retired from. Uh, just, to, you know, I just I, it's just kind of disgusting all the stuff that's going on around the country. And unfortunately, the department that I retired from is not in that state yet. But uh, I always I always had a great time doing that job. So I'm going to go back. Wow. Um, just to help out. Good for my, you. Try to do my part. Um, that's really great. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm truly looking forward to it. My wife's not really enthused about it, but she'll support me. Um, (laughs) I hope. (laughs) No, I I have no, we've had long and lengthy conversations about it. And, uh, she's confident in my abilities that she's, you know, she's going to worry, but she'll be fine. I think she, she won't have any major worries. Um, but the one point that I talked to your, comment, your uh, call screener about was, and I asked him if he, I don't know if he remembered a person called Jonathan Gruber during the Obama administration. He says he remembers the name. And I said, well, he's the one in the yeah. architecture of the Obamacare. He was asked by, and I don't remember who asked, it doesn't really matter, how did they expect to get it passed? And he said, we're counting on the ignorance of the American people. And I think that's probably the only statement that ever can, I've ever heard come out of a uh, progressive socialist liberal that was actually the truth. And I haven't heard from him since. So I don't know if, if 
They've, yeah, you know, I yeah. wonder what now that you I hadn't thought about that name in a while. I, I gotta look up and see where that guy is. Um I, yeah, I guess he's gone back to, to be in oh, he's at MIT now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a very good friend that was a professor at MIT and I don't think that she's tied in with that group. Um <laughs> but it just it carries on to this day. If you see the things that they push through, I mean they're counting on the American people to be stupid. And, and I look at the people that support them. And I think a lot of them probably should be in, should, they should reopen the insane asylums and right. um, maybe we're, maybe start we're allowing the, the insane to, to run the country right now. Bernie, right. I got to leave it to you with you that, but uh, happy, happy Thanksgiving to you. And, and God bless you uh, for what you're doing uh, right now. I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile, and if you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric right now, you will get free activation on your account, uh, and you should be doing business with Patriot Mobile because they take a portion of their profits to fund the conservative movement, the Second Amendment cause, the pro-life cause. They're Christians and conservatives at Patriot Mobile, and they want to help, uh, and they help when you do business with them. They take a portion of their profits. Not only that, they got great service because they use the cell towers that all the other companies use, so you get service everywhere. You get 5G, you get data, you get voice service, and you get great discounts. I had a lady uh, email me the other day. She got a discount for being an NRA member. She got a discount for being a teacher. Uh, she got a discount for using my name. Uh, they give great discounts. You can save some money, particularly if you've got a large family. They give great multi-line discounts at Patriot Mobile. So you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, so you're going to get great service with them and great customer service. 972-PATRIOT or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan there in Noonan, Georgia. If you need help growing your business, you need large loans, six figures and up, reach out to First Liberty. They want to help you. They can help you anywhere nationwide your business is. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com. Uh, we got a lot of folks who want to talk. You're going to have to tell me what you're thankful for, and you're going to need to be patient with me because I will get to you after the commercial break. I just don't have enough time to do justice to you right now. I, you know, <laughs> the number of things that I still need to talk about today, but I will prioritize phone calls. Uh, it is Thanksgiving week. Garth Brooks, though, I, I can't, I, does this guy not want anyone to hear his music? Did y'all know for the longest time he wasn't? streaming i was i referenced uh friends in low places to my kids on the way home from my in-laws on sunday and they they were unfamiliar with the song and it suddenly dawned on me you know what there is no streaming service he won't allow streaming of his music and then uh, when i got home i looked and it turns out he does but only Amazon Music. I forget that Amazon has a streaming service. Uh, there, there's Apple Music and there's Spotify. And Amazon Music is like the one that I, I think I know one person come to think of it who uses it. No one else on planet Earth that I know of uses it. And apparently so many people, if you have Amazon Prime, have access to it. But he decided to put his music there. And I'm just totally perplexed why this man doesn't want anyone to hear his music these days. When some of it is, it's, it's stuff I grew up with, uh, famous music. You, you can, you can dislike country music. I'm not a, I don't listen to a lot of country music, uh, but some of the old school stuff from Reba McIntyre and Garth Brooks, I adore it's music I grew up with in high school and, and in middle school, and he doesn't want it accessible to anyone, it seems. And I'm just, I'm perplexed by celebrity culture 
and the way they live lives. I, I, I've had extraordinary conversations with celebrities over the years and all the stuff about them living a sheltered life is so true in so many of the cases, not all the cases, but in many of the cases, the privileged sheltered life they lead. I, I saw Reese Witherspoon on social media commenting about the Rittenhouse case about how she'll never vote for uh, any federal judge or representative again if they allow this stuff to go on. And I'm thinking, wait a second, do you not know federal judges aren't elected like ever? She apparently had no idea. She got basics of the case wrong. Maybe our culture needs to step back from listening to celebrities. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com.